This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates and satellite programming providers. If you'd like to send me an email, studio at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And you can visit our website to find out what we've done, what we're doing, and where we intend on being in the future at www.exxoneradiotv.com. This hour's guest is Sharon Lipinski, and she is the founder of Change Gangs, virtually virtual giving circles where she helps people make small donations that make big impact by pooling your small donations with donations of other people who care about the same cause. They become your donation team, and together you can be confident that your donation is going to the right charity, that it will be used in the right way, and that it's going to make a big difference. She is also the author of 365 Ways to Live Generously, Simple Habits for Life that's that's, uh, good for you and others. When people think about generosity, Exonation, they think it means giving to other people. And yes, this book is about tipping over your cup to uh, give to others, but it's also about filling your cup so that you have even more to give. Joining me now to talk about this wonderful idea is Sharon Lipinski. And Sharon, welcome to the X-Zone. Oh, delighted to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Tell me about yourself and how you came up with this fascinating idea. Well, (laughs) I was not by nature a generous person, even though my mother set this really wonderful example for me. Mm -hmm. I found myself in a place where I was too busy often to notice um, an opportunity to give or to do something about it. I was afraid that I was going to do it the wrong way or I was going to be taken advantage Mm -hmm. of. I was going to look stupid. So I uh, had this experience where I invited an older man out to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner with me at a Chinese restaurant because I knew he didn't have anybody. Um, And I was new to the area, and I didn't have anyone either. So when I asked him, I hoped that he would say no. (laughs) But he didn't. He said yes, (laughs) and I picked him up. And, well, we shared plates of sesame chicken and beef with broccoli, and he talked about his kids. And I just realized, like, you know, taking him out to dinner, that was a tiny thing for me. Yeah. 45 minutes, hour and a half, $30. It was a really big deal for him because he didn't have anybody to do those things with. And that was the moment that I like, I got it. Like, all right, I want to make living generously these everyday acts of all kindness possible. I want to do it every day. Um, and I just looked into how do you make that happen? Now, you said that he had children. Where were his children? Why couldn't you spend Thanksgiving with his children? 
Well, he was a former drug addict who and his family didn't was on wasn't on a good relationship with his family. They didn't gotcha. live in the area. Um, and so when one of the things I discovered about him when we talked is he, he had a lot of regrets. Um, and, you know, being able to share that with somebody, I think, mm-hmm. made a big difference for him. How many years ago was this? This was seven years ago. And how has this concept changed your life? Well, so if you want to do something every day, mm-hmm. what you're talking about really is creating habits. Right. Because the healthiest people, the happiest people, the most productive people, the people who give all the time, they're not born differently than anybody else. They just have better habits. And so what I wanted to do was figure out, well, how do I have those habits? How do I have the time and energy to help other people? That meant I needed to take better care of myself. You know, how did I have the energy or the the wisdom to notice when people needed to help? That Mm -hmm. was a habit of paying attention. So it really all came down to adjusting better habits. And all came around to you taking a look at yourself. Yes, exactly. Well, it doesn't all change happen with taking a look at yourself. That is so true. Please stand by. You and I have to take a short break here. Exonation, our guest this hour is Sharon Lipinski. We're talking about the key to success is thinking less, the habit paradox, how to be happy, healthy, and more productive. And you can find out more about this young lady and her startling way of helping by going to her website bestlifehabits.com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Sharon and I will be back on the other side of this break. So whatever you do, don't go away. Don't forget, Exxon Nation, if you would like to be part of making history, visit www.cubesat.tech. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers a certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th, Registration deadline is September 12th. 
Experience Journey Trance, Power Animals, Helping Spirits, Sacred Space, and Life Purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back, everyone. Sharon Lipinski is our special guest this hour, www.bestlifehabits.com. All right, Sharon, let's start at the beginning. What is a habit? So a habit is a routine of behavior that is repeated regularly and tends to occur unconsciously. But what we're actually talking about is a physical process. So there is neural wiring inside your brain that connects the beginning of an action to the end of an action. And when you do something for the first time, your brain has to work really hard. If it's never done it before, it's new, it's got to pay attention to everything. And so neurons all along that path are firing. But the next time you do it, it's a little bit more familiar. You don't have to work quite as hard and we have a few less neurons going off. And repetition is the mother of habit. And as you repeat that action over and over, that neural pathway gets deeper and deeper, and it means fewer and fewer neurons need to fire in order to complete that task. And when something is a habit, it's just the neurons at the beginning of the action and at the end of the action that are firing. And the bulk of that, that is on autopilot. And I know that you've experienced this in your own life. Sure. I can think back to uh, when I was learning to drive a car. I learned to drive on a stick shift. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have to pay attention to the lights and the other drivers and the signs, but I had to push in the clutch, put the car in gear, and then release the clutch at the right time that I was pressing the gas in. And learning to drive was an overwhelming, stressful experience. But now, have you, have you ever had this happen to you where you get in the car in your driveway and you show up at the office and you don't remember how you got there? Yeah, that, that happens, yeah. Yeah, that's the habit creation and process. Only the neurons at the beginning and at the end are firing. And in the meantime, you're thinking about what I have to get at the grocery store and what am I going to do when I get to work and I've got this problem I have to deal with. So habits are a wonderful productivity tool for the brain. Uh, but it's also a double-edged sword because it means that new habits are hard to break mm -hmm. or new habits are hard to start and bad habits are hard to break because you have this built-in path of least resistance. But what happens if we're driving to work and this habit has been programmed so well that, you know, our attention is, is needed because, you know, a guy is coming through a red light, we've got the green light, we need to slam on the brakes in the habit. What happens to that habit? What, is there an override system that uh, that's built in? Sometimes it is. It depends on how deeply lost in thought you are, um, and sometimes they're not. And it's one of the reasons why accidents happen. So it, habits really are this double-edged sword. They're wonderful, and <laughs> they can be pretty dangerous, too, at the same time. All right, so how do we so shut off? So you really want to have the right habit. So how do we shut off these habits so that we don't get into accidents, so that we are conscious of our surroundings? Well, then you would want to practice a mindfulness habit is one of the ways. Um, of course, meditation um, is one of the ways that people practice mindfulness on a regular basis. But any habit that kind of brings you back into the moment, you can override it by having a mindfulness habit. Such as? Uh, such as you could have a mantra that, that you say, like, right here, right now. Um, that could be one of the things. Um, if you find that driving is one of the places where uh, this is an issue for you, you might have um, something that plays in your car or something that uh, maybe hangs from your, your rear view window to remind you. But other mindfulness habits could be um, when you hear your phone ring. What you're hearing, you have a different ring on there that says, pay attention. You know, just something that will bring you back into the moment when you want to override your habits. But you don't always want to override your habits because sometimes habits are great. The people who are the healthiest people, it's not that they're born healthier than you, but they have healthy habits. They don't make decisions to exercise. They're not overriding that process. They're just doing it. They're just making the right food choices because, you know, if we can make the right behaviors habits, mm -hmm. we can get a lot further ahead. 
So is it the habit that is the key to this entire success, or is it making the making the proper choices first and then establishing the habit? Well, see, one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to change their behavior mm-hmm. is that they're relying on decision. See, people, we don't need to tell people what to do. I mean, by and large, people know I need to exercise, I need to eat right, I need to spend quality time with my family. Like, we know what we need to do. But if we don't do it, it's not because we're weak or we're lazy, selfish, or we don't lack enough willpower. The problem is, is that we've made a decision and then we're relying on willpower and motivation to make it happen. But those are not enough because willpower will not last as long as the habit creation process takes. So you don't want to rely on your willpower. You want to make the decision first. Right. Be intentional about what habits are going to bring the most value to your life and then intentionally create it so that it's a habit. So it's no, something you no longer have to decide to do. So once again, I'm, I'm having a bit of a problem understanding the, the technique here. If, if we know what is good for us, why do we need to make it into a habit? Couldn't we just go because... on to the fact that we know what's good for us and that our subconscious will say, all right, you know, Rob, instead of eating a hamburger for lunch, have a salad. Sure. And if that works for you, great. But for lots of people, what happens is they make the decision, I'm going to eat a salad for lunch today. Mm-hmm. And then something comes up, they're tired, they're stressed out, they don't have enough time to make a salad, and they go back to their old habits. So we're talking about a physical process here. The habit in the brain is the path of least resistance, and you will take it every time until you create a new path of least resistance. So that's what you want to do is create a path of least resistance that helps you do the right thing. Has this theory been uh, been benchmarked by, by a neuroscientist or, or a psychologist to see if there's any credence behind it? Yeah, there is a lot of wonderful research out there on habits these days. Mm-hmm. Charles Duhigg wrote a fantastic book that everybody should read called The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Work. Gretchen Rubin has a new book um, on habits. You might remember Gretchen Rubin from her first book, um, all about trying to find happiness. Well, her second book was like, oh, so I know what to do. This is what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. I know what to do. So why aren't I doing it? And that's when she got into the field of habits, too. How do you take these things that you know and actually do them? You do them because they're a habit. You do them because they're a habit. But what happens if you create a bad habit? What do you do then? Right. Well, we all have bad habits, right? (laughs) I don't know if there's any person out there who doesn't have a bad habit. So to understand how to make and and break habits, Mm -hmm. let's first delve into the anatomy of a habit. So a habit is made up of three parts. Okay. There's a trigger, Mm -hmm. there's the action, and then there's the reward. In other words, something has caused you to act in a certain way to get a particular benefit. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So often when we think of a bad habit, we're just thinking of just the action, right? It's the smoking. But actually, you've been triggered. There's something here that's saying time to launch into this behavior. The behavior is the smoking. And then the reward, well, the reward could be all different kinds of things. So when you want to break a bad habit, you have to tap into this. You have to understand what this anatomy looks like for you. So if it's smoking... Uh, smoking can be triggered by this physical sensation that you have this physical desire for nicotine, but it's, it could not be physical. It could be an emotional desire. You can feel bored or stressed out or lonely. It can be triggered by an event like after a meal, that's a trigger that says it's time to have a cigarette. So it can be one of these. It can be all of these at the same time. Um, and likely you have different triggers for the same action. And then what is the reward that you're getting out of it? Um, if it's smoking, again, we could be talking about a um, nicotine rush through the body. Mm-hmm. It could be a social reward because you get to spend some time chatting with people. You can People can do it to relieve stress or boredom. So, again, it's finding out to break a habit. You have to understand the habit structure. And then you get in there and you start fiddling with the structure. Can you replace the action? Can you remove the trigger? All to meet the same rewards because we have these human needs. I mean, that's just 
who we are as human beings. So what are we getting out of it and what else can we do that's healthier for us that's going to meet the same need? All right, so let me get this straight. An example would be a child is is given a homework assignment. The child gets the homework assignment done, goes to class the next day, the teacher puts a gold star on their bang. The child understands that if he keeps on doing good, he gets a gold star and he perpetrates this habit. Am I correct? Sure. For a child who is motivated by gold stars. Okay. Not all children are. Right? All right. Everybody's unique. So you want to find out what motivates you. All right. So, well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm using other people here to better understand and to relate the information to my to our listeners. So once again, uh, let's use this example. When I took my dog to dog training camp, there were cause and effect. If the dog did something good, he got a cookie. If he didn't do something good, he got a yank on the collar. Are we talking about the same thing here? I know. We like to think we're more sophisticated than dogs. (laughs) But we have to remember that human beings are animals. We're very sophisticated animals. So sometimes our triggers are not as obvious as a clicker. And our reward is not quite as obvious as a piece of food. Um, But essentially, it is the same process. So what is so new about this? Nothing. But is there anything new (laughs) under the sun? I think we just have a deeper understanding these days of this neuropsychology of habits and why they can make such a difference in your life. It's like hypnosis, right? You know, I'm not familiar with hypnosis, but uh, I would hear how it's similar. Well... Only a person who wants to be hypnotized can be hypnotized. If there is a problem that he or she thinks that hypnosis will help, the fact that they don't believe in hypnosis is not going to help at all. So how do you change the ardent person who has a habit that they just can't seem to break? How do you break that? If they, if they don't believe they have a habit, a bad habit, how are you going to convince them to make a change? Well, I don't know that you should. Um, (laughs) I think it's always easier to look out to people's lives and say, you need to fix this, you need to fix this. But, you know, Mm -hmm. when you point a finger, there's three more pointing back at you. Um, So I would look at your own life, my own life. Mm -hmm. This is what I did. And I said, what habits do I need to break? What habits do I need to create to live the life that I want to live? And then what I did is I followed a five-step process. I first got very clear on why, right? Because This process is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Um, And so to understand why the status quo is no longer acceptable Mm -hmm. um, and to create a vision of what is possible in the future. So that was step one. The second step um, is to uh, identify the trigger. So when in my day, when is this going to happen? So getting very clear on when this happens. Third getting crystal clear on the action because sometimes we'll create we'll have this idea of a new habit and say well i want to exercise every day but if we're not crystal clear on the action that we're going to take it's sometimes that confusion will just simply lead to not action because again the path of least resistance is to do nothing so get very very clear on what it means to you to exercise every day all right so let me we've got to go to a commercial break but what i'm hearing is if you make a decision to lose weight Make the decision to go to the gym. You just go to the gym. Well, we'll talk more about it when we get back from break. All right. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Sharon Lipinski is our guest. Her website is bestlifehabits.com. We'll be back on the other side. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Sharon Lipinski is our guest explanation. The key to success is thinking less. The habit paradox, how to be happy, healthy, and more productive. Her website is bestlifehabits.com. So, you know, I, I'm trying to understand why people need to read a book to understand this. Isn't this innate in all of us? Isn't this common sense? Well, the difference between knowing and doing is huge, right? So you mentioned, well, if you just go, if you decide I need to exercise, well, then just go to the gym. Right. That's what I've decided. Yeah. But gyms are, in fact, one of the worst places to exercise if you don't already have an exercise habit. Oh, I disagree with you there. I disagree with you wholeheartedly there, and I'll tell you why. My daughter and son-in-law own a number of gyms, and I see gyms in a totally different way. Well, one of the statistics that I've read is that 67% of people with gym memberships will never actually use the gym. Oh, that so is so gyms wrong. gyms are wonderful if you have an exercise habit, but often getting to the gym is too big of a hurdle for somebody who doesn't already have the exercise habit. Well, that must be, uh, I've never heard that, uh, that uh, statistic before. In fact, from the statistics that I know that are real, it's the exact opposite. Okay. Well, that may be that may be the case. Who knows? But sure. one of the problems, I and mean, we all we all experience in this our lives, right? We know what we need to do, mm-hmm. 
but we just don't do it. I know that I need to eat salad. I know that I need to eat more vegetables. I know I need to go to sleep earlier. We know what we need to do. So why do you, why don't we do it? Is is it a matter of, is it a matter of willpower? No, no. In fact, that's the biggest mistake that people make is they're relying on willpower. So let's talk a little bit about what willpower is. Willpower is a form of mental energy. And we use that uh, to make all kinds of uh, decisions. We use it to control impulses and emotions. And we're using it constantly all day long. I know you've had this experience that sometimes calling on your willpower is easy, right? Sometimes I can walk right past that display of cookies right at the grocery store checkout lane with no problem. But sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes, and, and there's really, there's three reasons why your willpower isn't there for you when you need it. One is that if we think of willpower like the gas of tank on your car, mm-hmm. if you keep driving around, eventually you're going to run out of gas and you can't go anywhere. Well, you get one tank of willpower for everything. And when you've used it up, that's it. It's gone. The second reason your willpower might not be there for you is that it's been drained with physical stress. So even though willpower is a form of mental energy, it's actually fueled by glucose and sleep. So if you're tired and hungry, right, you're running on fumes. Or if you're hangry, you know, anger brought on by hunger, you're so much more likely to snap at your spouse or to eat macaroni and cheese just because you're craving. You need to be refilled. You don't have the willpower to call on to resist those temptations. And then there's emotional stress. The list step that you can do to make that, just to complete that action. Because hmm. it's not the duration, it's not the intensity of the action, it's that you do it at all. So if it's one minute of exercise, if it's flossing one tooth, just have a minimum requirement for those days when you just don't want to do it. And then the fourth step, and we haven't really talked about this yet, is to talk about rewards. Okay. Um, so we talked about it with smoking, right? We get a reward from smoking. Yeah. So let's consciously tap into this uh, anatomy for our benefit. The habits in our lives that are the hardest to break, we have very strong rewards in them. And rewards can be physical, so you can jump up and down to celebrate but you can also cause a physical reaction in your body, like a cup of coffee or a hot shower. Brushing your teeth has a physical reaction, right? Because you have this nice, clean, tingly feeling yeah. in your in your teeth. That helps people to create a habit. Um, or rewards can be personal. So you could check a box on a calendar and you get to see this nice, long string of successes. Or rewards can be social. Uh, you could call a friend. You could get some time on Facebook. But when you reward yourself, and, and I'm not talking end-of-the-line rewards. I'm okay. not talking about if I do this for two months, then I get a new pair of shoes or whatever. That kind of reward, that can actually undermine habit creation. But if your reward is cheap, if it's easy, if it's healthy, and if it comes as close to the end of the action as possible, you're going to trigger endorphins in your brain, and that's going to create a physical and emotional connection with this action. It's going to make you want to do it. Could this system be used on children to better prepare them for the future? Well, sure. You know, we are forming, we we form so many of our habits as children, and mm-hmm. we form them as adults. Usually it's easier to form bad habits than good habits because bad habits come with these really strong rewards. Um, so absolutely, anybody can do it. Um, it's happening all the time unconsciously, so you just want to take conscious control of it. All right, here's, here's a real interesting question. What are the most important habits to um, to improve your love life? Yeah. So relationship habits mm-hmm. um, are incredibly important, I think. And, and I think, of course, everybody might have their own opinion, but I've identified five that I think are the most okay. important. So the first is to have a strong goodbye habit. So when you and your partner are splitting ways, to treat that moment mindfully, you know, give them your full attention, make eye contact, exchange physical contact, say something nice, um, and to actually make this a habit in your life, your trigger could be the word goodbye, and you train yourself that when you hear the word goodbye, you, you turn your, your body towards this person. The second habit that I think is also very important is the greeting habit, right? 
and and I don't know if you've had uh, pet pass, but one of the great great things about having dogs is they're so excited to see you when you come home. Yeah. Um, so when you reconnect with your partner, that's another moment to treat that mindfully. So before the kids, before the dog, anybody else gets attention, you greet your partner, you make eye contact, exchange physical contact, ask how their day was, I mean, even if it's just one minute, because I think everybody can make one minute for the person who's most important in their lives. And these kind of form like bookends. So these for your relationships. So I think that these are two uh, really excellent relationship habits to have. Third yes. um, is make a habit of having alone time. Do you want me to continue? Oh, yes, please. Okay. So third, have a habit of having alone time, date nights or just mm-hmm. time before bed that you can just use to reflect on your lives, share emotions, talk about dreams you know, snuggler, things like that. But you just need time where there are no to-do lists, there's no crisis modes, there's mm-hmm. no taking care of business, just time for you to connect as human beings. And then one of the triggers that could help you accomplish that would be, you know, one of your habits is we know Friday night is date night. That could be one of your uh, triggers to create that habit. Fourth habit um, is to make a habit of showing your partner respect. And one way to do that is to respond when your partner reaches out. And psychologists call this bid for attention. So if your partner asks you a question, if they ask for your opinion, if they share with you important news or if they're sharing a feeling, if they're pointing something out, respect that request by responding to it. And in studies, psychologists have compared the bidding responses of healthy couples and unhealthy couples. And what they found is the people who are chronic unhappy or end up divorced they only turn towards their partner 33% of the time. But happy couples, they're turning towards their partners 87% of the time. So make a habit of respecting your partner and responding to their bids for attention. And then finally, and this might be the hardest habit, is to give your partner the benefit of the doubt. Um, when that person does something to hurt you or does something that hurts you, upsets you, to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? The intention was not to hurt you. It did hurt you, but that was not their intention and that there was something going on in their world. Um, They were feeling hurt. They were lonely, unscared, unsafe, you know, whatever it was. Um, And that they took the action to meet that need to solve that feeling. And, and the, the action to take here, the trigger is to notice like you're feeling irritated and hurt and the action, which is not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy, um, but is to, look at them and say, help me understand. That could be one way in which you give your partner the benefit of doubt and open up the lines of communication instead of start going into a So these habits not only affect us personally, but they also affect the people around us. Yes, they do. Absolutely. We have habits for days of the week, Mm -hmm. uh, work days, weekend days. We have habits for places. We have things that we do always in our favorite coffee shop. And we have habits with people, too. And, And relationship habits, those can be some of the hardest habits to change because not only are you bringing your own neural wiring, your own programmed responses, you've got theirs to deal with, wow. too. So relationship habits can be very challenging to change. All right, Sharon, stand by. You've got, you and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, Sharon Lipinski is our special guest. And uh, she is the founder of Change Gangs, Virtual Giving Circles where she helps people to make small donations that make big impact by pooling your small donations with donations of other people who care about the same cause. Her website is www.bestlifehabits.com, and we'll both be back on the other side as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years and author of four books and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune into Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. 
An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Sharon Lipinski is our guest this hour, ExoNation, www.bestlifehabits.com. Sharon, how important is sleep as a habit? Sleep is one of the most important habits that we can have. It impacts every area of our life, our mental health, our physical health. And if you've ever had a bad night's sleep, uh, you know that it's stressful. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know that you probably don't perform as well the next day. Uh, Certain things also aren't happening. Your immune system isn't as uh, prepared as it would be if you got a good night's sleep. You haven't created as many memories as you would have. Uh, So, yes, sleep is just one of the most important habits we can have. And the CDC estimates that one in three Americans are not getting enough sleep. So how do we get ourselves to get in the proper habit of getting a good night's sleep? I know that many people listening today have that very problem. Yeah. Well, there are a number of healthy sleep habits. Believe it or not, some of the uh, a good night's sleep actually starts with what you do during the day. Mm. Um, and there are four habits, uh, daytime habits, that will help you get a better night's sleep. And the first is to have an exercise habit. And without a doubt, exercise is the number one thing you can do to get better health. And that was part yeah. of the reasons why that is, is because what happens when you're sleeping is your body is repairing muscles. So if it has more work to do, your brain will send you into deeper sleep. Um, so it also has to do with sleep temperature and things like that. But the important thing is to know is exercise. It's just kind of a fundamental keystone habit um, that everybody should have in their lives. Mm-hmm. The second habit is to switch to non-caffeinated and non-alcoholic beverages before bed. And and obviously avoid caffeine uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, But a lot of people don't realize that with alcohol, sleep studies show um, that it it, uh, reduces how deeply you sleep. It means that you're more likely to wake up. And sleep study after sleep study shows that when people drink alcohol, they do not get as much quality sleep as do when they're not drinking. So in the afternoon... Uh, switch to non-caffeinated and limit yourself to one drink after dinner or within two hours before bed. And then habit number three Mm -hmm. is to tap in your circadian rhythm. So, you know, over thousands of human years, we years of human evolution, we became finally attuned to light. And it's only recently that we've been able to modify that. So morning sunlight is what your body, what lets your body know that hey, it's time to get up. And as the as uh, the light goes down, your body starts to prepare for sleep. And blue light, the light that we get from our computers, our phones, our TVs, will give off blue light. Blue light is what our brain associates with sunlight, ah. and so it's going to postpone the body's. Um, production of melatonin, which is going to mean it's going to take longer for you to fall asleep. So tap into those circadian rhythms by getting sunlight during the day and then avoiding blue light and bright light at night. I, I, I would imagine and, that falling asleep with uh, or thinking that you're going to fall, to, uh, fall asleep while watching TV isn't a good idea either because you're getting light off the television set. 
Sure. And one thing that happens for people who have trouble falling asleep, and if you don't have trouble falling asleep, then it might not make a difference for you. But if you have trouble sleeping in bed, Mm -hmm. one of the things that you're doing is creating this mental association that I can sleep on the couch, but I can't sleep in bed. So if you have trouble sleeping, one of the nighttime sleep habits is you sleep in bed. That's the place for sleeping. And you don't do anything else in your bed other than sleep and have sex. Anything else, if you want to talk on the phone, if you want to pay bills, if Mm -hmm. you want to work on your laptop, all of those things, even getting in a fight with your spouse, get out of bed because <laughs> the bed is where you sleep. Okay. So everybody is stressed out these days. Everybody. I don't know one person on this planet who doesn't suffer from one form of stress or another. How can we use this habit technology to reduce stress? Yeah, well, absolutely, because habits are not just habits of action, but there are habits of thought, Mm -hmm. of emotion. So how we respond to stress is often habitual, right? We know when we get into certain situations, we're going to respond in a certain way. And then we probably all do the same. Whatever your coping mechanism is for stress, you probably do that very habitually, right? Some people will smoke. Some people will have a drink. Some people will go running. It's the same trigger, but it's a different action. Um, so to find healthy ways to cope with stress, I think one of the most important habits that people can create is a mindfulness habit. To have some sort of meditation or prayer or gratitude habit, something that you engage in every day that broadens your perspective, stills the mind, I think is one of the most powerful tools we have to cope with our daily stressful lives. Okay, so... We've got about five minutes left. What would you like to tell the listening audience of the XO Nation about habits? You're the habit expert. Right. Well, what I would say is that if you want to live your best life, and, and my, my belief is that people do, that we want to live lives where we're making a difference in the world, yeah. where we have deep relationships with friends and with family, um, in order to do that, we have to take care of ourselves. If your cup isn't full, you can't do as much for others. And and I talk to so many people who are burnt out caregivers and they're not exercising and they're not eating right. Um, They might be pre-diabetic. They're stressed out. They're burnt out. um, And you can't serve people. If what you really care about is serving people, you can't serve them as good as you could if you're not taking care of yourself. So I want to encourage everybody to find a balance. So what I always talk about seven essential habits. And some of those habits are just about you and about taking care of you. It's about your physical health. It's about having a mindfulness practice. It's about having regular time where you connect with yourself. Um, if, if you can make those things a habit, then your life can unfold as a life, you know, where you're generous to yourself and mm-hmm. to others. And I think life just gets a lot easier if we can reduce the number of decisions we have to make. We don't have to decide to exercise. We just have to do it. We don't have to decide what to eat. We just have to eat the right thing. So if you can get to that point with your behaviors that are going to take care of you and take care of the people that you love, I think that that is a wonderful place to be. I'd just like to go back to uh, what you and I were talking about at the very beginning, about this donation system that you've come up with. Let our listeners know more about this, because I'm sure there are people saying, well, yeah, but the donation part, let's get to the donation part. (laughs) Well, so one of the seven habits that I talk about is philanthropy, right? Mm -hmm. Philanthropy is where the rubber meets the road. It's where, you know, this is, if you want to make the world a better place, you got to do something about it. And philanthropy is where you do it. But philanthropy is not easy. Uh, So I wanted to make philanthropy an easy habit. So in a virtual giving circle, what you do is you contribute $25 a month. It gets pooled in your donation with your donation team. So we have three causes. We, we donate for pets, we donate for veterans, and we donate to end poverty. So you find your cause, um, and then with that team, we help you. So I mean, you can be as involved as you want, but you don't have to do anything other than give $25 a month. And we nominate charities, we research charities, and then we vote on the ones that are going to make the biggest difference with our, with our dollars. Um, so that is, you know, what I did to make a habit mm-hmm. of giving money. What about going to church and giving a $25 tithing every month? 
Absolutely. That yeah. is a wonderful way to do it. And it's one of the reasons why people who go to church donate way more money than people who don't, because they've made giving a habit. It's just part of what you do when you go in there. You don't really have to make the mm-hmm. decision. You just have to do it. So it's a, it's a beautiful way to give. How do you vet the different organizations that you, uh, that you target or that you c- contribute to? Well, we go through a four-level process uh, uh, where we look um, at the, their reputation, we look at the impact they're having, we look at their financial information, so we complete uh, out these forms, and then we send it out to our members mm-hmm. written up um, so that they can understand what the charity does and what kind of impact they're having. And how much money on a monthly basis would we be looking at uh, that this organization would get? Well, we are actually just about in, well, in December, we'll make our $50,000 in donations since we founded. Wow. So we donate about $3,500 a month, but the wonderful thing, mm-hmm. what's so amazing is right, we can do so much more together than we can do alone. Um, and this is just one of those ways where we really just see it add up, where we just, everybody's doing a little something, we're doing it consistently, and we can really make a big difference. And is this a type of donation sweeping across the nation? You know, you'd be surprised. There, according to the last study I wrote, there were more than 800 giving circles across the United States mm-hmm. donating more than $100 million a year. Um, most giving circles uh, are local in that they support their local environment, uh, their local schools and things like that. But my husband was in the Army. Yes. We moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it like that, so I made mine virtual. So we have Excellent. members from all across the country. Well, congratulations on the great work that you're doing. I think that Thank you, you. Are, it's a pleasure talking to you. You're giving a lot. Now, where can our listeners get a copy of your book? Uh, well, it is due out in January. Mm-hmm. So if they go to my website, bestlifehabits.com, they can get um, a lot of the information we've talked about today, but right. in one nice, easy-to-reference place. Um, and then they'll get an email when the book is available to be purchased. Sharon, again, congratulations on the great work that you're doing. I love what you're doing, the fact that you're helping people. And getting people into the habit of helping people. Man, you've got my vote. All right. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care, Sharon. Exonation, our guest this hour has been Sharon Lipinski. And uh, great lady, great ideas, helping a lot of people. www.bestlifehabits.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. <laughs> 